This is the Umbrella Academy on TV podcast industries. We're discussing Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 1, Meet the Family. You're alive. That's great or possibly horrible. I'm not really sure yet. Okay, is that some kind of weird smack talk? It's more of an existential problem, really, Ben. Awesome. Well, here's your next problem. You know, even though you're a total asshat now... I see you again. Really. We're back two years since season two of the Umbrella Academy, and we're back with Umbrella Academy season three, episode one, Meet the Family on TV Podcast Industries. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Welcome back, fellow brollies. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, John. And I am Chris having an existential crisis trying to understand, is this the third season? <gasps> what does that mean? It means we're here to re- talk about the third season. But I just wanted to call back to the existential crisis. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Chris. Yes. Very good. Great to be back with the Umbrella Academy. Um, and right now, as we're recording, I have no idea when these episodes are actually going to be released. They will be soon. Um, and it doesn't matter to you, our fellow Academy alumni and, and Umbrella Academy fans. It really doesn't matter to you what I'm going to say. But right now, we're currently covering The Boys Season 3, uh, almost at the finale of that show. And we're covering Miss Marvel Season 1. And we're around episode five on that right now. So we will get our episodes of Umbrella Academy out um, after we finish the boys, but not sure of frequency right now. We're just trying to uh, squeeze in recordings uh, with availability of our, our fellow co-hosts. So great to talk about Umbrella Academy, but um, not sure exactly how we're going to be recording the entire season of the show. Yes, there, there, that is a bit of how the sausage is made. There you go. But... Do not fear, because you will still get the awesomeness that is TV Podcast Industries discussing the Umbrella Academy yes. in all of its glory. Mm-hmm. Specifically, this episode is going to cover the premiere of season three. Yes, exactly. We are covering season three, episode one. Meet the family in this discussion. Um, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you go over to tvpodcastindustries.com. Loads of links over there for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can also leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. I think now uh, might have that facility. Uh, but if you can find one and find and want to leave a review, please do. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the season. Send us an email with your thoughts on any of the episodes of Umbrella Academy or the entire season, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or join us over our Facebook group where I've already put up a spoiler post for every single episode of Umbrella Gallery Season 3. Pop in there, leave your thoughts on each episode uh, on facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and uh, we'll read them out in the show. Yes, and if you like what you hear and you're joining us just for Umbrella Academy, did you know we have a Patreon? Yes, you can head on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries where you can support us for a monthly dollar and help keep the brollies circulating the air and keeping this podcast <laughs> aloft. Yes, I was trying to in, work in an umbrella of some kind in there and it didn't really work. But Derek, should we jump into this episode? With some episode details. Of course, this series is based on the comic book series by Jared Way and Gabriel Ba. Uh, they did create the comic books, they were involved in the entire uh, series. And they've been heavily involved in the development of the show from their from their original material. Uh, the creator of the show for television is Steve Blackman, and the show was developed by Jeremy Slater, who was also the lead writer on a series we covered this year, Marvel's Moon Knight. 
Yes. Yes. Good and stuff. He did a good job there. He certainly did. He certainly did. Uh, this episode of Umbrella Academy, episode one of season three, was directed by Jeremy Webb. Uh, this is the fourth episode that he's directed of uh, Umbrella Academy. Two episodes in season one and the finale of season two. So going straight from finale of season two straight into the start of season three. I like that. That's a nice bit of symmetry there when directing. Um, he's done loads and loads of Netflix shows so we talked about him a few times uh, he has done episodes of uh, Shadow and Bone Lock and Key we talked about his work on The Punisher in the past but excitingly he's directing four episodes of the upcoming adaptation of The Last of Us game for HBO which I cannot be more excited for really really looking forward to that yeah he's yeah. done a lot and a lot of stuff that I like mm-hmm. so that's really Perfect. Yes, really excited for uh, for Last of Us when it's coming. Yes, and it still doesn't have a date yet, which is really annoying. I was hoping to have it by the end of the year, but... Yeah, they just pushed it out to next year. Just confirmed it's definitely going out uh, in 2023 because there's a lot more work to be done um, to finish off than they thought, which is great. That's a good thing. Yeah. Give it as much time as possible to deliver yeah. a great show. Really looking forward to it. Coming from the creator of, Ch- of Chernobyl as well, uh, behind the scenes on that show. So uh, Chernobyl, an excellent show on HBO. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, same. And the teleplay for this episode was written by Steve Blackman and Michelle Lavretta. Uh, Steve Blackman, obviously, creator of the show. And uh, Michelle, this is the first of two episodes that she'll be writing for this season, but first time on board. Good stuff. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 1, Meet the Family? Sure. After averting Doomsday in Dallas, the Umbrella siblings return to a very different academy, now ruled by the powerful and hostile Sparrows, masters of both dance and combat in an altered timeline. It is revealed that after their encounter in Dallas in 1963, Sir Reginald chose not to adopt Luther, Diego, Allison, Vanya, Klaus and Five, but seven other children instead, including Ben, Marcus, Faye, Alfonso, Salone, Jamie and Christopher the Cube, and established the Sparrow Academy. When both families meet for the first time at the Academy, an imaginary dance-off in Diego's mind, induced by venom from Jamie number 6, turns into a fight, and a ball of energy forms in the basement of the Sparrow Academy. Upstairs, in the ensuing fight, the Umbrella siblings are overpowered until Vanya unleashes a burst of energy to defeat the Sparrows. The Umbrella siblings flee to the Hotel Obsidian and plan their next move, but inadvertently leave the time travel briefcase at the Academy. Vanya goes to make a deal with the Sparrow number 1 Marcus, who agrees to hand back the briefcase in exchange for the Umbrella Academy siblings leaving with no more trouble. This meeting is observed by Ben and the Sparrow number 3 Faye. Diego discovers he and Leela have a young son, Stanley and must make up for his 12 years of absence as Leela leaves Stan with him and heads to Berlin. Elsewhere, an older man named Lester Pocket packs his suitcase and sets out for an unknown destination. When Marcus goes to get the briefcase, he discovers the Ball of Energy or Kugelblitz, a time anomaly caused by the crossing of timelines and is disintegrated. After witnessing this act of power, Grace who now works as the Sparrow's maid, begins worshipping the Kugelblitz as her god. 
It wasn't all just about a dance-off. It wasn't. <laughs> but it was 20-odd minutes bef- of, of dance-off, fight-off, uh, before we got, the, the again, the classic Umbrella silhouette with the Umbrella Academy sort of opening mm-hmm. title, ad- yes. effectively. Yeah, leading directly from that, uh, that closer effect at the end of Season 2, which closed with yeah. them arriving at Sparrow Academy. So uh, a nice connection uh, directly to, uh, to the third season. Um, what we're going to do for our episodes of umbrella academy is pick out a point each that we want to talk about uh to kind of pick up the big moments from the episode our favorite moments from the episode um i think we should probably start there john do you want to start off with your big moment from season three episode one it is the dance off yeah, we're all gonna have it to is the fight one. off um <laughs> and you know just having the 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 siblings of both the Umbrella Academy and the Sparrow Academy sort of facing off here uh, was just really, really good. I think in particular, you know, for the story, this meeting sees this ball of energy created in the basement downstairs, mm. this this crossing of the timelines, this paradox that is forming because of these two families meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just... You know, despite that serious aspect for the the team for this season, it is just a wonderful, light, funny. It just takes all the quirkiness that the Umbrella Academy has and just front loads it in your face. And you know, it's to Footloose. You have so many different interactions. You know, from mm-hmm. Luther and Marcus going head to head. And ultimately, Luther getting his ass handed to him by uh, the Sparrow Academy's number one. Mm-hmm. I love that um, the dance-off is effectively an illusion in Diego's mind. Absolutely. I love the beads of sweat. We see Jamie the firing her venom or, or poison or, or, or spit, a <laughs> green spit at him. Yeah. And he has this dance-off in in his mind uh, and then gradually it comes back to Diego's eyes and this fight just kind of kicks off. Yeah. And Diego gets to fight a box, which I, Christopher, um, yeah. and, and throw knives at him. I uh, throw knives at him, which is hilarious. like, he's just so crazy. I really, really enjoy, yeah. uh, Diego. Absolutely. Yeah. What I, what I love about it as well is, you know, this is Diego. His whole mission is. I will chase them down and stab them and kill them. That's kind of everything that goes through Diego's head. He's the one that gets the venom on him and it turns into a dance-off. Like, it's it's so unlikely that it would be Diego. You kind of expect that from Klaus, maybe, um, that this is what's going on in his mind at all times anyway. But I love that it's Diego, that this is what what comes out from his vision, effectively. But yeah, loads of great moments in this. I love uh, Diego dancing with his with his robot mom and she's doing dancing the robot with him along, exactly. with, along with Footloose. I thought that was really good fun. He has quite a tender moment with her as well yeah. because the the sparrows are just calling her the maid mm-hmm. and, and she's a robot where he, as soon as he sees her, he says mom, yeah. effectively. So I thought that was really really nice as well i love that the sparrows do just think that the umbrellas are perverts all of them mm-hmm. including five from the venom of, of jamie again and mm-hmm. um, he sees dolores his, his mannequin who then turns into a real person yeah. but he's effectively air kissing um which was a really <laughs> it's just a really good touch it's like who are these people 
why aren't we beating them quicker, I Mm -hmm. guess, is what the Sparrows are saying. This dysfunctional Umbrella Academy against this honed, fairly focused uh, Sparrow Academy that hasn't had the problems that the the Umbrella Academy has had. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely love this. Like... The overall intro had me on my knees, but then it kind of pulled me up and <laughs> kind of I had to put on my Sunday shoes, even if you will. Very good, Chris. Um, thank you, thank you. Spread <laughs> <laughs> right on the buddy. Uh, but uh, look, I this was a fantastic, fun, very true to the show way of introducing the yeah. characters and their powers. Yes. When you're like, that was the whole thing. Like the end of the last scene, oh, Sparrow Academy. Oh, who are they? Oh my God. What are they going to like? Unless you read the comic books, you kind of had no idea. So it's like, how can we show you who these people are and what they do mm-hmm. quickly and in the most Umbrella Academy way Absolutely. possible? Yep. And bar essentially the only thing I fully expected it to do which it didn't, was a full pull-out, pan-out of the, similar to what we got in season one, where they were da- all the individual Brother Academy were dancing in their own rooms. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a pull-out and all of them were fighting in their own rooms. But what we got was just as good, because it's still, you're saying, like, Diego fighting a floating box. <laughs> or Christopher, like, yeah. like, that's all he did. And they, like, yeah, and then seeing, like, the one thing that number five miss or misses his wife. He, again, you always forget that he is an 80, 90 year old man stuck in a child's body. Mm. Um, he's a retiree, he's, isn't he? He's about, he's, I think he's about 65, isn't he? Um, and yeah, he, he effectively, yeah, married to a mannequin in the future because that's yeah. the only company he had. <laughs> Three years yeah. before yeah. he became the. The, the the hit man that he became. And I'm sure it's not going to be the only time um, we compliment Aidan Gallagher for his performance because we tended to gush about how great he is uh, uh, last brilliant. season. But yeah. once again, and it seems to happen with this cast, they're asked to do really silly things on camera. And I think <laughs> Aidan Gallagher went for it totally when he's, uh, when he's left alone without the mannequin kissing air kissing and uh, moving his hands for where the body's supposed to be absolutely hilarious but again for what a 17 18 year old kid uh being asked to do that in camera and as uh unabashedly and unashamedly going for it loved it really good for and that. showing off his knees <laughs> yeah showing absolutely. off his knees as an 18 year i i don't even show off my knees and <laughs> <laughs> no. I was like, at a certain point you're like yeah no i'm done wearing the schoolboy outfit mm-hmm. he's still going strong Although he does get a costume change this episode, which I I'm, know. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm well, sure I mean, he's very happy about. <laughs> that was it. Like it, it was just really good as well. Them all seeing Ben, who's just uh, as Five says, is a total asshat. And mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got Klaus kind of going a oh, little, you know, gummy bear or whatever it is that he's calling him, <laughs> uh, being all sort of you know sensual towards his, you know, his his lost brother. You know, he's alive. Uh, and for them, this is a big deal. And Ben is totally kind of, as a sparrow, closed down, doesn't know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, I, I just love that kind of contrast between them. You know, it it was this professional organization in the Sparrow Academy against our sort of lovely dysfunctional Umbrella Academy, yeah. which are, was just so good. And um 
you do also get the you know there's, there's a little moment where klaus is running away from the action into sir reginald's study That's and he's face. just he's just there <laughs> and, he, and he you know effectively Reg, reggie just goes i was so repulsed <laughs> you know by by you back in texas mm-hmm. that he just decided to adopt this whole new set of children yep. uh, and establishes the sparrow rather than the umbrella academy and it's just it's teed off nicely you know because they're all running away effectively mm-hmm. uh from having their sort of asses handed to them on a plate diego is there that you know the sparrows are beating our ass here yeah well but, you're but your ass, ass but i'm <laughs> loving it you know i, I want to stay for more yeah. it was really good just the whole interaction that mm. you know <laughs> the dance the dancing because it looked it looked like there was probably a lot of choreography needed uh, for them for this, and they do it really well. Yeah, but it's kind of I don't know whether it was intended or not, but it it's not polished, and that's the great thing. There's a little awkwardness to it. I mean, there's a moment where I think that all of them are coming towards the camera. I think mm-hmm. Diego's at the lead. He's kind of got his tongue out as though he's thinking about it. And I'm sure that's him acting, but it's like the steps. And it just looks like, what are these steps? And he's got mm-hmm. the tongue out. Really, really good. Yeah. Loved all this intro. Um, great to have that intro for uh, back in this world of the Umbrella Academy in season three. Absolutely. John turned to me directly after the sequence, um, laughing all the way through it, turned to me right afterwards and went, I love this show. This show has my sensibility and my sense of humor. That's exactly what I said uh, yeah. to watching. Yeah. Love yeah. it all. It's just perfect. What a great opener. What a great opener. And all ends with Vanya effectively taking out all of the Sparrow Academy on her own. Um, yeah. Yes. They all surround Vanya, all, all seven of them. And she, all she has to do is do one explosion, which, you know, did cause doomsday twice. So I suppose taking out a few people isn't that difficult, but it is Vanya on her own uh, taking out the seven uh, in one explosion. And then they kind of say, okay, you can go now. Um, we're, we're done fighting against you, basically. Well, that's it. There's a really great moment because even though she does take them out there, it's more that she kind of nudges them to the side and, and causes yeah. uh, you know, a bit of damage and, like earlier on, she does the same. Uh, I think Salone. Salone, yeah. Uh, it, but seems to have the measure of her, but doesn't really knock them back. And she calls her a, a, an art vandal yes. uh, because she takes all the paintings off. But what I uh, really liked Vanya here um, later on when she meets up and arranges the meeting with, with Marcus in, in the diner because... You know, Marcus is very, very confident as their number one. He is a number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes decisions. He organizes everything. Um, what, and what Luther always thought his job was supposed to be. Exactly. And everybody just ignores him. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, but ultimately Marcus isn't very impressed sort of on, on first encounter in the diner. You know, he says, you're not even um, a number one, you know. I don't need to tell you what our next move is going to be against mm. your group. And Vanya, just, I love the way that she just kind of turns and Vanya says, no, I came to tell you my first move. Yeah. You know, I will end you. And she goes, I ended the world twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I want 
something from you, uh, which is the briefcase that is left behind exactly by uh, Five. Yeah, and the threat to him is that she's going to go up to the Sparrow Academy yeah. and call him out for a one-on-one fight and show the world how yeah. pitiful he is in comparison to her power. Um, there's some little bit of the boys in the Sparrow Academy. Um, there's a little bit of the seven from uh, from the boys, I yes. think. There's something a little darker about them. Probably is because they're so polished. Um, but those those signposts that are in the city, that's the moment that Vanya decides to go to the Sparrow Academy. She sees a sign outside the window going, watch what you're doing because we're watching you from the Sparrow Academy. Like, that seems really horrible for the people of the city. Yeah, you know? no, it, it, it does a bit. <laughs> but not only that, the politics within the Sparrow Academy... Um, is a little bit more Machiavellian because you see that meeting between Vanya and, and um, Marcus mm-hmm. effectively being watched by the the, the crows of Faye. Yes. Uh, who then, you know, it, the, the crow comes back, reports to her um, as she incorporates into her body, which is great, so I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she tells Ben. Exactly. Uh, so you can sense that whilst Ben is the number two here in the Sparrow Academy. Mm-hmm. He's got eyes on being number one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, 100%. Good stuff. That's the dance and fight uh, overall. Anything else to add on that before we move on to the next point? Nope. Just that loved it, mm-hmm. made me happy and giddy and excited to be back with yeah. the Umbrella Academy, for absolutely. sure. Great opener. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, how about yourself? Do you want to take some with your big moment from Season 3, Episode 1? Excellent. I will take us straight away to a dingy hotel where uh, people can escape their woes. Hmm. Uh, And join me, if you will, in Hotel Obsidian, or if you're a comic book reader, Hotel Oblivion, Mm -hmm. um, as the namesake, as its namesake does imply. Yeah, I I could not stop typing Hotel Oblivion every time I was writing down notes for for this episode. (laughs) It just kept popping into my head. It's the... Uh, I think it's the most recent volume of uh, of Umbrella Academy, the last it volume is. of Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so uh, the second volume is Dallas, the, the third volume is Hotel, Hotel Oblivion, mm-hmm. um, and they, they've taken the Hotel O name and kind of made it their own for the TV show, much like many other things. I don't expect some of the weird and wackiness from the comic books mm. in this will translate over. Some of it might throughout the season. They've done weirder things. Uh-huh. I just don't expect it. Uh, there is a lot of like craziness in the comic books and kind of supernatural elements and yeah. everything in between. The hotel, um, it's, it's almost its own character. Yeah, exactly. Where, whereas yes. this feels like something out of it. Well, not exactly, but something kind of connected to David Lynch's kind of universe. There's weird people sitting around in places in this hotel, um, all looking on and watching but pretending not to be, uh, not to watch, and all trying to be unnoticed in their own ways as well. It feels like something at a at a Twin Peaks or something like that. It, exactly, it, it yeah. really does. Actually, yeah, mm. it has that kind of off kilter of of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect. Like, place it's for a great feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you had a person speaking backwards, uh-huh. walking backwards in a suit, you would fully expect them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, it does. Um, but I really enjoyed particularly the, just the introduction to some of the characters, the pan over the different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, throughout. And I went characters because they are 
that they're capital high. <laughs> and when you see them, you're like, okay, they look slightly off. And that's the thing. They, they may not be, but they wear slightly weird clothes. They, they yeah. look just slightly out of place. Everyone yes. looks out of place, be it time or space or just in general. Mm-hmm. And the best example of that is the curmudgeon owner or the bellman or the, the, the manager, if you will, who is mm-hmm. at the service desk with his animal. Um, and you're just like, huh? Why, why, why are you so angry? Like, what did they do? And is, is it like they knew Klaus already, but Klaus is like speaking away again. Klaus is kind of, none of them are fully copped that this isn't there to like, this isn't Kansas anymore. They're not there. This like, this is slightly left of field. So Klaus is talking away like he knows the guy and the guy's like, I don't know you from Adam. Like, yeah, no, whatever money on down that kind of thing. and you get a nice introduction you kind of see what the hotel is yes uh, what about yourselves yeah i have to say that moment when <laughs> when he's saying to them this is uh the the manager in the hotel when he's saying to the uh, umbrella academy how are you going to pay today as he pushes forward payment in cash <laughs> at the signpost hilarious the way he treats his dog also makes it seem like he uh he likes the dog much more than he likes the people who come and visit and uh, frequent the hotel obsidian <laughs> no, definitely and of course he loses his dog as well does mm-hmm. chet um he has that vibe of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. about him. He certainly was in Supernatural. Uh, that's where I can definitely remember uh, him from. But uh, I, I'm just wondering because I think he has he's done a lot of uh, Canadian TV. So I'm just wondering if <laughs> he did do Twin Peaks. <laughs> he may have been in there at some point uh, because. It, like he's got that face um, that's just so good. It just oozes creepiness mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just love that. Really great point for um, the Hotel Obsidian. And I, I love Klaus's talk of the Hotel Obsidian. I missed you, you slutty old dame. <laughs> um you know, absorb her, breathe her in, saying it to all, uh, to his family. Um, I just really kind of liked uh, just this idea that this hotel mm-hmm. is, you know, like Gotham, is alive, is a character yeah. in and of itself. Really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love this place. Uh, it's it's just this the right weirdness for Klaus. You can you you would expect that he did live here on occasion uh, in the past when he had his. Various moments away from the Hargreaves family. Yeah, and it's yeah. that faded glory. You know, mm-hmm. he talks of all the people that had been there previously, all the heads of state and so on. Some maybe um, a, a little bit questionable in terms of their their politics, like Tito or something from U- Yugoslavia, the head of Yugoslavia. Uh, so, right. you know, that kind of thing. I just assumed it was Tito Jackson that he was talking about. Maybe, then, maybe he was. I was thinking... With, uh, with two Kardashians, two Kardashians, not uh, just Well, one, maybe it so. was. <laughs> it's just because he did a line of presidents, and, and then there was, I guess Tito was there. So I thought, I thought Yugoslav president. Well, you see where my mind goes. Uh, not politics, uh, musicians, and uh, could and be, music. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes there sense. I like it. Yeah, loved his introduction to to the team. Uh, this is obviously our 
our base for the season. We have uh, the Umbrella Academy has been the base for the team yeah. all along. Sparrow Academy have that now, so they now have the Hotel Obsidian. I'm, I'm looking forward to get to know it. Uh, and what I love is, effectively, we've got the group split up in just two rooms, right? We have yep. uh, we have Vanya and Alison in one room, <laughs> and then the rest of the boys over in the over in the other room, as if they're back in back in childhood again in their books. Uh, so I really like that. Uh, doesn't seem to sit very well with Diego, of course. But uh, what would you expect? The question I do have, uh, as we said in the co- the comic books, the hotel is a character unto itself, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering how. Is it like that? Is it just going to be a location that is central to this season? Or are they actually going to lean into, I suppose, and time will tell as we watch this season, are they going yeah. to lean into some of that David Lynch, slightly off-center, off hmm. just kind of the hotel itself, the location yeah. itself is a character? And I just want to see that. Like, it does have that David Lynch feel. I think as well with all the kind of stuff on the walls as well uh all the different pictures mm. little uh newspaper snippets oh, yes. so who knows but it like that um overlook hotel as well um from, from the shining from the shining yes. exactly so like it's got a really good vibe to it already you know yeah. faded glory creepiness yeah. sort of more creepiness slightly you know living building mm-hmm. effectively yeah. uh, with lovely weird side characters and of course then the umbrella academy's weirdness and wonderfulness playing out in here as well i mean like just i think that example where leela rocks up and effectively shows diego's son mm-hmm. of 12 years so that's you know again Really, the interaction here between Diego and Leela, mm-hmm. um, like, amazing. But also we learned that whilst they think it was only just yesterday, mm-hmm. um, there's Leela with Stanley, her child of 12 years, exactly. where she's basically, well, you've been absent for 12 years, so it's your turn now. Right, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get to know your son, effectively, yeah. um, which I, I loved. I'm so glad she's back in uh, in the show as well. But I loved it. Like her introduction was, she threw a knife at the back of Diego's chair to get his attention, drops <laughs> yeah. off his son, and then gets into a lift to disappear. Basically, yeah. that's yeah. It, it's just one swift movement and in and out, uh, drops a bomb and runs exactly. away. Exactly, great, great moment with Lala. Really you know, and, and it's even just that moment where. You have five, um, I think Diego is there as well, mm-hmm. and Klaus, they're having drinks, and, and he's kind of there going, I think everything's fine, yeah. you know? We just don't need to, just don't bump into your doppelgangers, of which then you get this lovely little sequence where you have Diego goes, or you kill them, Klaus says sleep with them, and and then you have five saying no, avoid them. Yeah. But it just it all works together. It's a really great little moment uh, in in the episode, which I really loved. Yeah. Of course, just as then the you know for the audience we get a bit of a a pulse from that ball of energy. Yes. Which which rocks through and takes out Chet's uh, dog. Absolutely, poor Mister Pennycrum. i didn't know it's called that (laughs) so the end so that really brings the end of kind of hotel Mm -hmm. in my point but 
Derek, what about you? Yeah. What, what's your kind of major point for this episode? I think we kind of got to talk about Sparrow Academy, really. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a little bit already. Let's not, uh, let's not dwell too much on it, but really just want to call them all out. I, I uh, just to go through them. So Marcus is their leader, super powerful and more powerful than Luther and probably also better trained as well. Um, what I thought was interesting from some of the rest of the team is, they're all really well trained. It's not just their superpowers that they have, which seems to be yeah. what the Umbrella Academy lean on. This is my superpower. I use it when I need to use it. But they aren't trained in any way, so they can't really get themselves out of much situations other than Diego, who's spent his whole life training. Um, ben has his tentacles, as we've seen in season one, but uses them really often, uh, as we can we can see him use them in the fight with uh, with five. Uh, almost catches him, but five's a slippery little beast as with his uh, with his jumping around the place. Um, Faye, you mentioned, is uh, has the power to control ravens and send them out of her body. She's number three, uh, sends them out of the, out of her body and. Uh, and there's a great scene where she's where she's using the ravens to chase um, Luther and Allison down a hallway. They close the door behind them, and the ravens start digging through the door. That's yeah. a really horrific yeah. scene because uh, <laughs> you you expect okay, grand, we're safe here. Um, but just the, seeing the faces of the and beaks of the ravens digging through the door—it's it's just like right. the the birds, but from Alfred Hitchcock. Exactly. You know, it's really good. I like as well how she uses them to fight. Because she's blind as well. Yes. So she's there fighting Allison um in, in the, the hallway yeah. of the Academy and it's it's the Ravens that are helping her to fight with her I think she has a sword or something, uh, to try and attack Allison. Mm. Or a stick or something. Yeah. But she's <laughs> She has something in her hand. As a she sword says. or a stick. That makes <laughs> what a slight difference. Or a pogo stick, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Let's go. Oh. She has a pogo stick. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> that, that is lethal canon. weapon. Exactly. Oh. Pogo. Where's pogo? Well, that's Stu. true. We haven't seen Pogo. We haven't seen our talking, uh, our talking Simeon for no. the season at all yet. Um, yeah, interestingly, yeah. So, so you do say that Faye's blind. Faye does say, but I can see. Yeah. So that's, well, her, that's, that's her way yeah. of seeing yes, is through exactly. the ravens. Um, Alfonso is number four. Um, seems that you punch him and the uh, punch him in the face, and the punch is thrown back at you as Allison sees, uh, almost breaking her own nose when she throws a punch at him. Um, not too sure exactly how that works, but um, it seems like he's been punched a lot given his <laughs> the shape of his face yes. and body. Yep. Um, that's what it would seem like, but. Uh, I, I know we're going to see more of him as the season goes on. Uh, Sloane, then, as you as you mentioned, John, um, she controls gravity, so she has the ability to uh, to use gravity at her will. So that's what she does with Vanya when Vanya yeah. attacks or is trying to attack for the first time. Sloane wraps her up, throws her upstairs using gravity effectively, and that's yeah. when she blows away the the art collection of the uh, Hargreave family. Um, really like Sloane. I think she's she's going to be a very interesting character um, because she just has that. She has the confidence, it seems, of the rest of the team. They all seem to have a lot of confidence in their powers, but um, she seems to just be able to step in and uh, and stop things from happening yeah. with, with her power, yeah. which I really like. Um, then we have Jamie, who also probably my favorite power from uh, from the season, shown off to such a great extent here. She can definitely fight, but effectively can spit venom on people uh, and control their minds in some way. So uh, that's where we got the dance off, of course. And that's where we got the excellent scene from um, from uh, Five. Uh, yeah, kind of hallucinations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, toxic. Exactly. That's yeah. really cool. And then, of course, we've got Christopher, number seven, the cube. Oh, I thought you meant me for a sec. Christopher, you are the cube with electric powers who your close friends can understand what you're saying. 
Yes. There you go. <laughs> That's not so fair. that makes sense. It, exactly. it is actually me. I, I said I only shoot small amounts of electricity. That's more static electricity, but it's still close. <laughs> yeah, you go through so many microphones though with that. that I do. I'm also more round than square and cuboid, but that's okay. <laughs> I just also wanted to call out about Christopher. The show itself, the premise uh, of the show, is taken from. Uh, the Midwich Cuckoos, um, the idea of these children born to mothers unexplained all in the same day and time. That's uh, that's uh, the Midwich Cuckoos from John Wyndham. Um, it seems, I would think, that Christopher is also taken from another John Wyndham novel, which is Chucky, um, which is a, a space yeah. alien who is like a massive computer um, and can only communicate with certain people effectively. So I think that's another uh, element that was taken from uh, from John Wyndham. But, uh, but interesting, because we just finished watching the uh, the newly updated version of the Midwich Cookies, which uh, just released on Sky uh, a couple of weeks ago, so uh, so interesting to see the connection between that. Yeah, I, like I hadn't actually made that connection either at all for some reason, but I mean there are there's threads of that mm. classic sci-fi yeah. uh, through here from sort of 1950s John Wyndham and stuff. So mm. yeah, that's, that's really cool. Midwich Cookies. Before we go on, any good? Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'm terrified of children again, which is uh, what Midwich Cookies and the um and the what's the remake of Village of the Damned was the kind of yeah. uh, American version of that story, I think, uh, as well, or the or the original movie version of the of the Midwich Cookies. Well, and it story. has that lovely bleak sensibility yeah. of uh, British sci-fi yes, that I, I quite like, yeah. um, for sure. But yeah. yes, creepy children go watch Midwich Cookies. Yes, I guess absolutely. Um, but, yeah. but that's it. That's the seven members of the Sparrow Academy. Anything else to add about them? The the only two things on the Sparrow Academy I kind of mentioned about Grace were they really do just see her as a maid. Mm. There's nothing really affectionate towards her at all. Yeah. Um, it's all very businesslike uh, compared to, you know, the Umbrella Academy. Uh, the other side of it is, mm. you know, you have is they seem to dominate reginald hargreaves as well yes, he do. doesn't seem to be the 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 confident father that won't take any nonsense from yeah. the umbrella academy it mm-hmm. seems marcus here you know asks him for an assessment of them which i loved where it says neanderthals on a day pass they drink too much and don't shower enough <laughs> uh really nice sort of turn of phrase uh-huh. you know but marcus then saying this you know, ultimately could be good for our reputation. Uh, we've not had a, very many good enemies in ages, so this is who the Umbrella Academy could be were this face-off. Exactly. You know, he's, he's taking the, the the marketing PR line with how they combat them. But, um, yeah, it just seems to, to dominate uh, Reginald. And uh, interestingly... You know, as he's leaving, he he does say to them, "But don't underestimate. Uh, you know, don't misjudge the the Umbrella Academy. They managed to save the world twice. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, or maybe at least in he, Dallas, he he knows about Dallas. Yeah, so. maybe yeah. you know that conversation that we had between Reggie and Klaus in his his office about being repulsed by the the Umbrella siblings mm-hmm. that maybe he's starting to you know maybe there's a little spark there that he's misjudged them 
yeah. as he says that to the sparrows. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Yeah. I, I do like uh, his his description of them was, so are you the fat one, the shabby one, or the girl? I'm not too sure. I can't remember any of the rest of them. <laughs> was, <laughs> was all, the only memory he has from 1963. So uh, I like that. Uh, anything else yourself, Chris, on, on Sparrow Academy? No, that's mostly it, except for their spanking red uniforms. They're mm-hmm. just, it's just on point. It's again, like it's the X-Men. X-Men versus the Brotherhood of Mutants. Yeah. That's essentially what we're getting here. So we're getting a, a really well-designed superhero costume and then whatever they've cobbled together. A really well-oiled machine. Uh, speaking of oiled, we have to give a shout-out for Marcus's um, uh, handstands on the side of the building every morning to his adoring fans um, as he throws them the sweaty towel uh, that Yum. he's just used to mop himself up. Uh, this guy knows how to work a crowd. Um, yep. Speaking of Marcus, though, episode ends with Marcus disappearing into uh, that void, uh, the new... Um, well, I think more disintegrating well, into that yeah. voyage. It, it's the return of the pulse that's taking mm-hmm. at, that's taken out Penny Crumb. Yeah, uh, and as it comes back, he's I don't know, he's too close because you know Grace is a robot, so maybe it doesn't affect um, mm-hmm. non biological life form. But here, yeah. whether Marcus is too close to the the energy ball, but yeah. as the pulse comes back, it's it's like it drags him in. Which yes. is interesting because it doesn't affect any other humans on on that pulse. Not that we see. Mm. It takes Penny Crumb, um, so maybe it's just his proximity to it. I don't know, but ultimately he's in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. and seems to get pretty disintegrated. He's certainly reaching out to touch it. Yeah, um, and there is a conversation between himself and Grace, and Grace is saying it's saying something. Can you hear what it's saying? And he, Mark, just before he goes, Marcus says, "I can." Yes, hear it now. he does. So, yeah. Um, so whether those words are discernible, uh, we don't know. But, uh, You're mine. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, in the immortal words of Scorpion, get over here. There you go. Okay. There yeah. Go. And <laughs> I think maybe Five's thoughts of. Uh, a quiet uh, time at the uh, Obsidian are, are probably looking a little slim. Yeah, it's pretty um, unlikely for a series of 10 episodes oh, of the exactly. show that it'll be them sitting around the Obsidian Hotel well, that trying would to get be cool. back to Sparrow Academy. But I could spend 10 episodes exactly. with this team. They're, uh, they're great fun. Uh, I did like the look of Marcus getting disintegrated mm-hmm. as well. It, it reminded me a bit of the Watchmen movie when um, Dr. Manhattan gets obliterated mm-hmm. a bit. Very good. Yeah, they, it did look cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Any notes from the episode, guys? Anything else you want to talk about? I'm dying to watch episode two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. John, anything uh, from yourself for the episode? Um, the only little note is we do see a man called Lester Pocket packing mm-hmm. his case, his suitcase. Um, he There's kind of an energy hum coming from him, but um, who is he? Where is he going? Uh, and why does he listen to the crazy music of buzzing bees mm-hmm. or farting apes or <laughs> you know, you name it? Um, his cassette collection looks a little bit like one of those sort of whale uh, cassettes that would send you off to sleep, except it's not. It's other animals. Loads of other creatures, yeah. That's yeah. going to be interesting, I'm sure. So you could we'll say he packed it. his pockets. 
Yes, yes, Leicester Pockets. Yes. Uh, has packed pockets, absolutely. Uh, I think that's it, two times fast. <laughs> and his briefcase. Um, yeah, I, I've just got one note for the episode because I thought it was really cool. If you uh, go back and watch season one, episode one, and the start of this season, uh, season one, episode one started off with a girl in a swimming pool um, getting a, basically a wink from a guy across the, across the pool and then uh, giving birth to one of the children that was born. Uh, this episode starts with uh, a sweet kiss on a train, um, and the girl gives birth to uh, to um, potentially Ben um, of the of yep. the group. But from that moment onwards, side by side, the shots are exactly the same. The only difference is the Sparrow Academy logo on the uh, on the prams that the nannies are pushing. But all of that whole sequence is the same. But one difference. Uh, Pogo does the voiceover on both. Um, the talking Simeon, as we as we spoke about earlier on. Um, the voiceover in the first season uh, tells you that there were 43 children born on the 20th, 12th hour of the first day of October 1989. This time, there's 16 babies born on that day. Mm-hmm. Which is a big change, a big difference uh, from uh, from the past. So, very interesting. Uh, so, we'll see how that plays out, I guess. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, as they start to investigate what's happened in this timeline. So, very cool. That's it for uh, for notes. I think for ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Overall, Chris, what did you think of the episode? Absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm not even like it was such a fantastic reintroduction, even in the mm-hmm. first few minutes of yeah. Footloose, kind of putting on my Sunday shoes on my knees and backing it up like Jack. Um, I just absolutely enjoyed it. And as I just said in my notes, I was like, I just this was one where. I could binge. Yeah. I could easily yeah, just let definitely. Netflix roll on and on and on. Um, luckily, we don't. So we get to kind of enjoy it at that smaller kind of piecemeal approach. But I just absolutely want to move on to episode two. So that is all I'm going to say. Excellent. Excellent. I loved it as well. Really enjoyed this uh, this uh, this season. I forgot how fun um, all of these characters are to watch yeah, on screen. Exactly. Everybody gets a moment. They did a great job with introducing Seven. Uh, pretty much brand new characters. The Ben here is completely different from the Ben that we'd seen in the past. Um, they've introduced them all and I've already got favorites. I've already got, uh, people I want to watch more of. Uh, and that's pretty much all of them. So, uh, looking forward to episode two as well. How about yourself, John? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely loved it. I, I, there's not really much to, to add from what you guys have already said. I, but I accept that I would give this five crumbled pennies out of five. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought, just that opening 20 minute sequence mm-hmm. just superb um the obsidian uh and of course great to be back with the umbrella family uh, and in particular i am so glad that despite this alternate timeline that diego just never changes <laughs> um really just love that character so so much excellent excellent yeah, so five um poorly crumbled pennies out of out of five, yes. Good stuff. Right. Last season we were in the carousel club for our pub quiz. This season I guess we're off to the Obsidian Lounge. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give us our pu- our first pub quiz question for the Umbrella Academy season three, John? Certainly. How many sandwiches does Lester Pocket pack in his case as he prepares for his journey? Very good, very good. Uh, pretty easy to count as well uh, for those uh, watching. What is it? <laughs> uh, good stuff, John. Do you want to give the question one more time? How many sandwiches does Lester Pocket pack in his case 
as he prepares for his journey. Good stuff. That's the first of our 10 questions that we'll have on uh, on the Umbrella Academy Season 3. What you need to do is just take the answers to the questions, email them into us at the end of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could get your hands on some Umbrella Academy goodies at the end of the season. Um, you can also send them in during the season if you want to. You can send them in, in batches to us. Uh, just mark which questions are for which episode. That's all you need to do. There you go. But I think it's about time we jump on over to our feedback. Before we do, remember, as I talked about earlier, this episode of TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Franca Montevago. Thank you so much, Franca, for all your support. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Franca. Great to have you with us on Patreon. And thanks to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you so much for the support, Franca. Really, really appreciated. Uh, glad to have you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Franca. And if you want to be like Franca, you can support us monthly for any amount over on patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries. Or if you'd like to support us with a one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI and buy us a coffee and keep our editor-in-chief caffeinated as he toils away the wee hours of his life editing this beautiful, dulcet, toned voice and puts it through all the modulators so it does come out dulcet and sounding because <laughs> I, I sound terrible without his work. So yes, make sure you support us because it is much appreciated. But if you can't support us for a monthly amount, you can't support us with cash, do not worry. Any support is much, much thanked and you can do that by subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends, family, co-workers and even your own superhero family if you have one because sharing the podcast is what john it's sharing the love absolutely one of the ways to support us is also sending in feedback mentioned earlier on you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com your thoughts on any of the episodes uh jimmy urin sent us in an email uh just before the season began uh, he says hey guys i just wanted to send a quick message as we seem to have the best problem ever going on in that there is literally too much good stuff being released at the same time and it is impossible to keep up the last few weeks alone have seen me struggling to stay up to date with the boys umbrella academy miss marvel new Star Wars shows and even a few films for good measure such as Top Gun and Multiverse of Madness which to my shame I missed at the cinema as well as of course keeping up with your podcasts. Perhaps you need to have a quiet word with your contacts at Disney Netflix, Amazon at all about spreading these shows out a bit <laughs> Anyway, I thought I'd send it out an Umbrella Academy which I'm trying extra hard to pace myself on having had the whole series dropped at once. It is so good to have this one back with episode 1 featuring so much good stuff including new powers, great music and of course a dance off. Just need a return of the talking monkey to complete the set Hope you get a chance to cover this one soon and with so much else going on all the best Jimbo Here you are Jimbo, knew we'd get around to it at some point yes. Welcome <laughs> back on board Jimbo Unfortunately our contacts at uh, at Disney Netflix and Amazon uh, don't seem to be willing to uh, take our calls about spreading out their content and uh, no. seem to want to send out more and more content to Yeah, us. they're packing it in like mm-hmm. a really, really packed Can of sardines <laughs> Yeah, sardine. John is running out of words uh, now. <laughs> uh, but you're right, uh, Jimmy. There is so much going on. Uh, you know, the, the, this this show is one of our favorite shows. As you can hear, all three of us have really enjoyed Umbrella Academy. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we couldn't even get to it yeah. uh, when it came out. It was it was impossible. Uh, but you're hearing our thoughts now. We will be back with more uh, for the rest of the season as well. Yes, thank you so much, Jimbo. Over on Facebook, we did get feedback for episode one. 
Starting off our feedback train, we got some words from Dr. Bob Phillips, who had this to say. Possibly the greatest thing of the return of ensemble shows post-COVID lockdown is the widespread desire to throw dance numbers into everything. Mm -hmm. No shade. This is magnificent, and we should demand more. (laughs) At least one musical number in everything. Obi-Wan waltzing, She-Hulk salsa, (laughs) and the Demogorgon doing the Argentine tango with Eleven. Beat switching back and forth as they battle. Not that the rest of the show didn't hold up to the line dance. The intrigue and surreal flavor of the first two lie heavy in the air. And I do like the sense of that the world is going to end in 10 days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that is the, that is the whole point of the Umbrella Academy. Yep. Forever yeah. the apocalypse, forever 10 days to save it. Absolutely. And I really love that in this episode of Five Points Out that basically in the last 20 days, he has had to save the world from apocalypse. Can he just have a rest? Can he just yeah. put his head <laughs> exactly, down for a couple exactly. of minutes? It's only been two weeks, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, lovely stuff. Thanks, Bob. Um, John Daniel says, I loved this season three premiere. The cliffhanger we had to me implied we were going to see a big battle almost immediately between sparrows and umbrellas. Then the old-fashioned way turned out to be line dancing to Footloose. <laughs> and I giggled through the whole thing. Yeah, like myself, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily, it's the coolest moment for the floating cube Christopher so far. Also, I assumed at the end of season two, when they showed up the Spyro Academy folks with Ben at the helm, that they would all have other versions of themselves to contend with. I'm glad I was wrong. Anyway, I'm going to be careful posting in the other threads because I've watched maybe six episodes now and I don't want to spoil things moving forward. Thanks so much, John. Um, yeah, I think we now have the spoiler posts for all the separate yeah. episodes up in the Facebook group. So post spoilery away in yeah. there, uh, I for think sure. The, I think the challenge that John probably has, though, it's quite difficult when there's 10 posts up on Facebook to find which one you're commenting on. They're all named. They're all, uh, they that all have the episode true. numbers against them. So uh, just check those beforehand and, and pop them in. And like yourself, I think uh, it, it's good that um, the... The sparrows aren't just the the doppelgangers because otherwise Klaus would probably be trying to sleep with Klaus mm-hmm. and yep, the Diego would be trying to kill Diego. Exactly. So uh, it would be a right old mess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like yourself, loved and giggled uh, over the the fight, the dance sequence, uh, and our our move in to the new safe house that is the hotel of Obsidian. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much, John. And as well, look if you can't find the post, don't forget you can also just email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Just mark the subject line or all in one. Just mark a feedback and put the feedback into each kind of like marked out listed in the email. Absolutely, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. And thanks for joining us for our coverage of the first episode of Season 3 of The Umbrella Academy. Stay subscribed to the podcast. We will be talking about Episode 2 of Season 3 on our next one. Uh, The episode's called World's Biggest Ball of Twine. Ooh. Do you think (laughs) it's going to be a big thread of intrigue? There you go, Chris. That's, That's entirely possible. It may well be, indeed. Yeah. We'll see you again next time, Academy Love Night. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Brollies. Great chatting to you as always. Yes, thank you so much, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and stay out of the rain. Bye. Bye.